Edge Case Podcast may contain graphic depictions of violence, explicit language, and other content that some listeners may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. At the fringes of perception, beyond the boundaries of your mind, just past the glow of the firelight, out of the corner of your eyes, you will find an Edge Case. Chrysalis by Leah Simmons. Your cuff is absolute garbage. Leonard muttered under his breath. Leonard's face was mostly obscured by the massive headset he wore as he worked. All the better to magnify the tiny circuits in Gary's access cuff. You're the hack who modified it for me last time. From the angle he was sitting in the old dentist chair, he couldn't really see Leonard work, but he could smell the soldering of something. Given the recent security protocols, there were very few who were skilled enough to hack an access cuff, let alone as quickly as Leonard, who by day was a less than reputable dentist. His wild tangle of white long hair and gruff beard gave him the overall look of a mad scientist, which wasn't all that far off from the truth. I must have been drunk the last time I worked on this. Circuits in here aren't soldered worth a damn. It's amazing you can even open the door to the bathroom in this hunk of junk. Where'd you get the chip? Does it matter? I guess not. I'm just making small talk. Leonard had told Gary that he was able to hack the access cuff to fool the Chrysalis security team into thinking he was a patient. Per their usual agreement, it would be a one-time cash transaction for Leonard's services, but the access would give Gary the opportunity to get behind the well-maintained facade of Chrysalis and see just exactly what was happening. Or it could malfunction and blow his hands off. Odds were pretty even, really. Leonard. You're a smart guy. If you were doing surgery on someone, like plastic or reconstructive surgery, could you think of why someone would change which hand they use? You know, like a switch from a lefty to a righty. That's a stupid term. No one calls them righties. Humor me. I've got this case and for some reason the patients who go in left-handed come out of the procedure right-handed. I can't really seem to make sense of it, so if you'll pardon me, but I thought maybe someone of your colorful medical background would have more insight. That's all. I guess I'd say it sounds like something that would be an oversight in their protocol. If most patients are right-handed, maybe they just didn't design their system to handle left-handed people, so it just fucks that up a little bit. Who knows? You need to quit moving now if you want this to work. True to his word and reputation, when all was said and done, the cuff looked like it had never been tampered with before, and was already loaded with the software to trick Gary's way into the chrysalis facility. With the help of a few other 
less than reputable connections, Gary had been able to cobble together the rest of his new fabricated identity, a patient scheduled for transformation on Monday. Gary, or rather, Leif Larsen, as his new CHIPS info would transmit when prompted, was scheduled to arrive Monday at 9 a.m. for a three-month chrysalis treatment. Beyond arriving and getting past security, Gary wasn't sure what the rest of his plan entailed, so he made at least one effort to ensure his safety by recording his plans and suspicions to transfer to both the Essers and to the police if anything didn't go according to plan within the next 48 hours. He wasn't sure the police would really believe or care about what he was working on, but he at least hoped that the Essers would get the information in some shape or form. It sounded crazy, but he didn't feel the need to take any chances with Chrysalis. His previous experience had shown him just how far people were willing to go when their livelihoods were threatened. Good morning, Mr. Larson. Are you ready for the big day? He didn't recognize the receptionist when he arrived at check-in, but she had the same sort of perfect China doll look that all the former Chrysalis patients seemed to have. Gary had tried to prepare as much as possible to play the part of Mr. Larson, going so far as to get a professional haircut for the first time in two years. Combined with a fresh shave, Gary thought he might just look like the kind of schlub who could afford treatment at Chrysalis. Could hardly sleep all week, let alone last night. Kind of feels like the first day of my life. This was not only a lie and cliché, but a line he had stolen from one of the many testimonials he had sat through in the previous week. That's wonderful to hear! Let me just capture your vitals and check you in for treatment. She gently took Gary's wrist and guided the hacked access cuff across the reader panel. Gary tried not to get nervous when the scanner refused to respond. Is there something wrong? Oh, no. Sometimes this thing just has a hard time reading. Guess machines take a little more time on Mondays, too. This time, gently twisting his wrist, the receptionist tried the scan again. Ah, there we are. All set to go, Mr. Larson. Thank you for your patience. Gary gave his best genial smile, and the receptionist pointed him towards the small queue of other desperate-looking people who were standing by a chrysalis representative in head-to-toe white clothes. Gary couldn't quite make out what the employee was saying, but the tall, handsome man finally waved his clipboard with a flourish and began hurting the crowd down the hallway. Right this way. If Jenna has checked you in, you can follow me down the hall to our resting room where I'll outfit you with everything you'll need for the exciting journey to the new you. As the crowd funneled down the hallway, Gary took in all the faces of the people around him. Normal people that you wouldn't glance twice at if you passed them in the street. The dozen or so excited patients struggled down the hall as Gary made his best efforts to sink to the back, the slowest of the herd to be picked off. He could hear the employee with the clipboard mumbling something toward the front of the group, but Gary wasn't listening, and he hoped that his movements wouldn't go noticed. As he walked, Gary went door to door and subtly waved his hacked security cuff, hoping Leonard was worth his hefty price tag now that it really counted. The first door. No dice. The next door down the line. Same thing. Gary progressed down the double doors at the end of the hallway. There were five doors in the hallway and he had just failed door number four. Had to make this one count.
Then, remembering the smiling receptionist, carefully twisting it in front of the door reader. Gary ducked through the door and deftly closed it behind him. The smooth, automatic locking system snapped the door secure again. He paused then, for a moment, his ears keyed to pick up any voices or indication that his presence was missed, thankfully greeted by silence. Sometimes it's good to be one of the faceless masses, he thought to himself. Gary let his eyes adjust to the dim light of the new space he found himself in. Even in the poor illumination, he could see the glowing red exit signs on the far wall that were as good as two basketball courts away. Small pools of soft overhead lights illuminated gray pods with small red lights winking in unison. The room was silent except for the low hum of electricity. Wherever Gary thought Chrysalis stashed its secrets, he had a sneaking suspicion it was hidden somewhere in this room. Gary counted roughly twenty-odd pods in all, four neat rows that looked like futuristic coffins with metallic oval tops. Walking down the steps to gain a closer look, he could see that each pod had a small monitor panel on the front, with familiar readouts for heart rate and brain activity. These are their patients, Gary realized as he walked up to the first one. Aside from the readouts for the heart rate and brain activity monitor, Gary could see the patient's name listed on one of the pods as Monica Lau. Just 14 days remaining of her treatment, information that was shown in a graphical countdown similar to the face of a clock. Noticing the small menu button in the upper right corner of the monitor, Gary was equal parts amused and alarmed that there was no security protocol or password required. Most of the options in the menu didn't seem to make sense for Gary to investigate, such as flush system check, calibrate, or troubleshoot, but he did find one of interest called visual confirmation. Nervous, Gary pressed the button. A small spinning wheel icon appeared as the computer thought about the action. Then, in a sweeping type motion, the metallic membrane on the top of the pod became translucent, or rather, appeared to become translucent. Though subtle, Gary could make the gun pattern of the mesh screen cover, designed to project high-resolution images onto the surface. But if the membrane was displaying the contents of the pod, it was hard to say for sure if it was actually Monica Lau. There were not many things that caught Gary by surprise, but he felt a genuine gasp escape him when he saw the condition of Ms. Lau. Even from his first glance, Gary could see that it was a human form inside the pod, but its appearance was far from normal. Naked and clearly female, Ms. Lau's body looked like it was made of liquid, and not just because it was translucent and wet in appearance. No, it was if someone had poured a fleshy-colored fluid, thick as pancake batter, into the pod, in the rough shape of a human. As Gary peered closer to the image, he noticed that the details in her facial features were gone, flattened into a two-dimensional puddle of glistening peak substance. Multiple tubes went into the areas where the upper arms and thighs were, and damned if Gary couldn't see in all of this something that looked like pulsation or breathing. What the hell are they doing to these people? Gary thought in horror. Mentally, he felt prepared to find something terrible at Chrysalis Inc., but not this. Gary peered as close as he dared, and in doing so, noticed something odd about the face. It wasn't just that it was flat and liquid-looking. There was something else slightly off about it. 
Something strange about the symmetry. The monitor displayed what appeared to be, at least to Gary's untrained eye, more than likely Ms. Lau's before picture. She was an average-looking person, round, full face, with hooded eyes that gave her the appearance of Asian Pacific heritage. Around her mouth and nostrils, though, was the presence of a large birthmark that looked like some sort of strange, wine-colored island afloat in an otherwise blemish-free face. Suddenly, the lights on the far end of the room flickered on, and the security door clacked open. Shit, thought Gary as he crouched down behind the pod. Hopefully from the angle where he squatted, the pod's tubes and other apparatus would give him enough cover to hide from the intruders. He could just make out the two technicians in white lab jackets enter the room, chatting with each other and thankfully paying little attention to anything else. They were bringing a new pod into the room, the wheels silently gliding across the floor. It was only moments of work for the pod to get hooked up in line with all the other identical pods in the room. The technicians continued their conversation as they exited the room, the security door locking shut behind them again. Seizing the opportunity and staying crouched down, Gary slinked over to the newest pod. As he leaned over the pod's monitor, he is relieved to see that it's a new patient. Feeling slightly more familiar with the operating system, Gary was easily able to make the pod transparent and could see very clearly that this was a male patient. The monitor had his name listed as Thomas Ellis. Thomas had a pockmarked face, his cheeks filled with divots from either a bygone skin condition or adolescent acne. No sooner had Gary been able to really take in the man's face when the monitor began flashing, announcing the procedure to begin. Six black hoses emerged from the sides of the pod, three on each side spaced evenly head to toe. They looked to Gary like black snakes, hovering just inches from the patient's skin. Then, the lights stopped flashing and Gary could hear the quiet hissing sound of something spraying. Though he could not see anything at first, Gary watched for a moment as the patient's skin took on a glassy look of wet flesh. Then, just as quickly, he began to see that same flesh begin to melt away. The hiss continued and Gary could see the strange rivers of color pool and then trickle away as Thomas Ellis began melting before his eyes. The skin and muscle tissue was completely dissolved from his face when Gary could take no more and made the pod's translucent cover return to solid metal. Tasting the bile in his mouth and shaking profusely, Gary felt the need to sit down on the ground for a moment. It's like they're melting them down. Holy shit, they're killing them in there. Gary's mind reeled as he tried to make sense of it. He had heard of the development of illegal nanomachines to rapidly disassemble materials, but never human beings. Perhaps that was the secret. Rather than to try to fix what was there, just tear them down to the building blocks and just slap them back together. Maybe sometimes they didn't get it right, but who cares if the final product looked and acted close enough to the original? No sooner had Gary began to get his breathing back in check, when he heard the familiar sound of the security door open and the technician's return. Another patient to wheel into the room. Caught off guard, Gary didn't have a chance to move without being seen, and so he froze. The techs seemed just as distracted and chatty as before, so Gary was hoping they wouldn't be observant enough to notice the man crouching on the ground, just ten feet away behind the other pod. As before, the two technicians parked the pod in line with the others, punched some codes into the monitor, and proceeded to walk away.
Shit, Gary thought, almost loud enough for someone to hear. As soon as the technician stopped and began to walk over to the noise, Gary knew he needed to get out of there fast. Hey, you can't be in here. Sorry, I just got a little turned around. Uh, that's all, you know how it goes. I just stepped away to take a leak. Maybe they buy it for a moment, but the other tech is already talking into his cuff for security. Things are about to go from bad to worse. As Gary finds himself slowly backing away, the two techs are cautiously closing in. Knowing it's just a matter of time before security shows up, Gary decides he's got to make a break for it. The technicians are only separated from Gary by Thomas Ellis's pod, now humming away at full blast. Gary does the only thing he can think. He dips his shoulder down, bends deep, lifts with all of his strength in his legs, and shoves the pot at the technicians. Judging from the astonished look on both of their horrified faces, this was clearly the last thing they were expecting. The technicians try to catch the pod to stop its forward momentum, but something catches, and the entire silvery oval goes down with a sickening crash. The lid shatters, sending shards skittering across the floor. One of the technician's legs is pinned under the edge of the pod, and the other is frantically trying to lift it off his co-worker. As the contents of the pod begin to leak out, like an egg that's been cracked, cooling rivers of rainbow-colored fluid and chunks that burn and hiss as they come into contact with the technician's legs. Gary fights back the urge to vomit and tries to take his one chance to sprint to the door. Gary is racing as fast as he can to the other side of the room to the door he entered, unsure if there were armed guards waiting or his final chance for freedom. He does not get the opportunity to find out. Pain from a stun gun jabs him in the lower spine, the explosive shock of pain immediately immobilizing his legs and sending him falling to the ground hard. Gary can see that the door was only 20 feet away. His vision begins to blur and fade to black. Hello, Mr. Birch. I'm sorry we have to meet this way again, but I'm afraid you've given us no choice. Nora Wallace was staring down into Gary's face. Gary tried to speak, but finds he's unable to move anything but his eyes. Maybe he was in the hospital, paralyzed from the shots to his back. I told you to focus your investigation elsewhere, and then, just like a pestering child, you came back. And worse than that, you've compromised the safety of one of our patients. Fortunate for you, we were able to mostly salvage Mr. Ellis to complete his treatment. Everything came flooding back now to Gary. The technicians, the pod tipping over, the rainbow of liquid flesh pouring out onto the floor. At that moment, Gary became suddenly aware of the fact that he was naked. He wouldn't have been able to feel the clothes on his body, but he knew then what had happened and where he now was. I'm afraid my time is limited, Mr. Birch, but I wanted to be here when you woke up. I wanted to be the first thing you saw. You've been so curious to learn what chrysalis is all about, and I thought what could finally put your night at ease would be to experience the treatment yourself. Of course, I've modified the program a bit. You see, for our patients, we ensure that they are completely sedated for the disassembly process. I've ensured that you are mobilized, but still very much conscious, as you can already tell. If Gary's eyes could scream, the walls of the building would have reverberated with the shockwave. But don't worry. We won't be bothering to reassemble you when this is done, Mr. Birch. No. 
will flush you down the drain as easily as leftover coffee. Gary could make out the flashing blue lights in the corner of his eye as the black snakes crept out over his body. Goodbye, Mr. Birch. Perhaps there was more, she said to Gary, but he could no longer hear anything over the high-pitched hissing of the snakes as they sprayed nanomachines into his flesh. It was like a sunburn, but then like an actual burn, like fire was consuming him. Gary tried to move, to run, to scream. He was trapped in his own body, unable to get anything to respond except his eyes. He tried to focus his mind anywhere on escaping, but the pain came screaming through any ability for him to think. For just a few moments, he was able to close his eyes from the pain. But then he could see the light creep in like waves, his delicate skin on his eyelids being rapidly dissolved by the machine's hungry mouths. With what was left of his eyes, Gary looked up at Nora's face, his vision blurred and distorted like looking up through ever-deepening water. Chrysalis. Directed by Robert Mayling. Written by Leah Simmons. Music director, Malia Lekomsky. Editing by Robert Mayling. The voice of Gary Birch was Brett Stoles. The voice of Mr. Esser was Jake Cox. The voice of Mrs. Esser was Tamara Huffman. The voice of Nora Wallace was Leah Simmons. The voice of Jenna was Ari Show. The voice of Leonard was Luke Johnson. The voice of Chrysalis Tech was Nathan Holtz. The voice of the narrator was Tiffany Clanton. This podcast is made with love by Edgecase Podcast Crew, who thank you for listening. Special thanks to Ari Show, Dominic Weineke, Amanda Mailing, Deborah Mailing, Joanna Keane, and Peter Pischke. If you would like to learn more about Edge Case Podcast and how you can support the dedication and hard work of our cast and crew, visit patreon.com slash edgecase. This audio production is copyright 2019 by Edge Case Podcast, all rights reserved. The copyrights for each story are held by the respective authors. No duplication or reproduction of this audio program is permitted without the written consent of Edge Case Podcast. <laughs>